0: Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker. I'm the host of the Bible in Life, and I am grateful for you. Glad that you're joining me on this episode. Our goal on the Bible in Life podcast and on the listener's commentary is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology, by which I mean theology that's down to earth. It's rooted in the language of everyday life. It's uh, dealing with the topics of everyday life so that we can follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's what we're all about. And I'm glad you're here on this episode. Before we jump into the content of the episode, just a, one little news and notes item. Um, I will be in about a week and a half in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana at the Renew National Gathering and the discipleship.org uh, National Forum. And if you are there as well, man, and you see me, I would love to connect with you and meet you. So be sure to come up and tell me Hi. Uh, and let's connect, and I would love just to uh, put a face with a listener who maybe I haven't met before. So if you're there uh, and you see me, let's connect. All right, let's uh, jump into the topic for today, and we just wrapped up Uh, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, depending on how you prefer to refer to that particular day. And obviously the resurrection is more to us as followers of Jesus than one particular Sunday on the annual calendar. It is central to our entire faith. And so in view of a resurrection Sunday and the importance of the resurrection, I, I wanted to offer a little reflection on this episode about what difference the resurrection really makes. And I wanted to package it along this idea of knowing where we stand and knowing where we're at in the story, knowing where we live. I was sitting in a coffee shop not long ago with a young man who really just really struggling with his faith and what he believed in. Uh, Did he believe all this? He didn't really think he did anymore. He wasn't even sure the resurrection of Jesus or any of that stuff even really mattered. And yet he was willing to meet with me. And so we were meeting. And in the course of this one particular conversation, not even totally sure what prompted it. Can't remember exactly. But he asked me, looked at me and very honestly um, and sincerely just said, well, what about you? What what keeps you encouraged? This was his question. What keeps you encouraged? And when you look around at all that's wrong in the world and all the suffering in the world and all the heartache in the world, what keeps you going? What keeps you encouraged? That was his question. And my answer in short was really this: I know where I'm at. That is, I know where I stand in the timeline of God's work of redemption. I know that I live between the time when Jesus rose from the dead and all the dead in Christ will be made alive. I know where I'm at in the story. And so let me just unpack that a little bit here on this podcast. Uh, On the first hand, I know that Jesus rose from the dead. I know that. I'm convinced of that, and not just because I feel it in my heart or I believe it. I'm convinced of that because of the evidence of history. I'm convinced of that because of the facts of the case. It's the only reason I am a Christian. I've talked about that elsewhere, um, but that's it. I'm a Christian because Jesus rose from the dead. And it's not just me saying that. The whole thing, this whole thing of Christianity, being a Christian, and all that, the whole thing stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus. That's what Paul says in First Corinthians 15. In fact, I just finished uh, studying the entire book of First Corinthians on the listener's commentary, and you can check that out if you want to. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, this is what Paul says. I actually preached the very first sermon I ever preached when I was 15 years old from this passage. Passage. First 1 Corinthians 15, 12 and following says, Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith also is in vain. It's empty. It's void. It's meaningless. Like if Christ hasn't been raised, then why am I doing what I'm doing here? Preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. And Not only that, Paul says, we've even been found to be false witnesses against God because we testified against God that he raised Christ from the dead, but Christ hasn't been raised if the dead aren't raised. So uh, if Christ hasn't been raised, he says in verse 17, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. This whole thing stands or falls on the fact of the resurrection of Jesus from the very get-go. That's that's what it was all about. It was about the resurrection of Jesus. And when I was in graduate school studying theology, ironically, uh, but you're reading all sorts of different views and all sorts of different opinions. And I was surrounded by some people who were... Um, before it was cool to talk about deconstruction, that's kind of what they were doing. And so I was having conversations with them and it just raised all sorts of questions and all sorts of doubts. And at one point in the midst of months of really wrestling with some of that, and it was, why do I believe this? Do I really believe this? Is, is the, the time and the energy I'm putting into all this worth it, right? Um, and, and after really wrestling with all that, I got out a piece of paper and I just began to write out, Here's what I'm convinced of. Um, and you know, it it all aimed at the resurrection. like the uh, the story began too early. The apostles, All uh, were completely transformed, not by some feeling or a wish or a moral code. They were transformed by the fact that they found an empty tomb and they said Jesus appeared to them after he had been crucified. And uh, they banked their life on it and their eternity on it, changed their beliefs on it, um, suffered for it, died for it. Uh, things like this that are just unexplainable, that, that this was being written about during and talked about and preached about during the lifetime of both favorable and hostile eyewitnesses. Um, it wasn't made up long after the fact. It, it literally, right from the get-go, was being talked about. And so um, I, I'm convinced of the, because of the evidence that Jesus rose from his dead. So I know that. I know that. In fact, I was sitting with my grandpa a number of years ago in a, a boat. We were fishing. It was the last fishing trip I uh, had with my grandpa, and I figured it was probably going to be the last fishing trip I had with my grandpa. And my grandpa, who was such a powerful influence in my life and such a good man, he had some faith in God, but he didn't really believe in Jesus, certainly didn't believe in the resurrection, and wasn't really a follower of Jesus. And And uh, so leading up to this time when I knew we were going to be able to get together and go fishing, I fasted and prayed, asking the Lord to open up a good conversation with my grandpa on the boat. And sure enough, we had a good conversation. My grandpa actually brought it up. And so the Lord answered my prayers. And in the course of that conversation, my grandpa said to me, Well, John, I just don't think there's anything we can know what happens after we die. Like, I don't know what happened, you know, how would you know? How would you know what happens after death? What's beyond death? Is there anything beyond the grave, right? To which I said to my grandpa in that boat, I said, well, grandpa, I would agree with you. Unless somebody's been there and come back to tell us about it. And I'm convinced that's what happened with the person of Jesus. And that's why I follow him. And so I know that. I know that Jesus rose from the dead. And so in that sense, Jesus's resurrection makes all the difference in the world, not just for me, but for the world in total. Um, His resurrection makes all the difference in the world. New creation has begun. God has triumphed over sin and death through Jesus's death, burial and resurrection there's that classic scene in the uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? In which Aslan, the Christ figure in the story, is killed on the stone table. And Susan and Lucy are there weeping and so sad. And dear Aslan, and then all of a sudden, PAM! A loud crack. And, and they look, and the stone table on which Aslan had been laying uh, and on which he had been killed was cracked. Uh, in half. And Aslan was no longer lying there. And then all of a sudden he appears in the sunrise coming forward. And uh, C.S. Lewis writes this in the story. He says that, um, here's what Aslan tells Susan and Lucy. He says, when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the stone table would crack. And here's the line, and death itself would start working backwards. Um, That Jesus' resurrection has changed everything. New creation has begun. Um, life has triumphed over death. Uh, eternal spring is on the way in the imagery of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, right? And death itself is working backward. New life has invaded the here and now. But I also know that, that although new, new creation has started, it's not completed. Right, I live between, we live between the beginning of new creation and the end of new creation, the completion of new creation. We li- that's where we're at on the map of God's plan of redemption. That's where we're at in the story. Uh, we're at that part in the story where Jesus is risen, and the Spirit is poured out, and God uh, has triumphed through Christ over the forces of evil, But at the same time, the forces of evil are still here. They're still fighting and they are not vanquished once and for all just yet. It's the part of the story where it's like there's two kingdoms vying for control. The dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God's dear son, to use the language of Colossians chapter one. It's the part of the story where you have the present evil age still here and still around and the forces of evil still at work. The present evil age is still here, but the age to come, the new creation age has broken into the here and now. That's where we live. That's where we're at in this story. And what that means is that even though Jesus is risen, and even though the Spirit has been poured out, there is still suffering. There's physical illness. There's mental illness. There's aging. Loved ones dying, there's disease and death, right? There's temptation and sin that still persists. And that's why Paul can say in Romans 6 that we're freed from the power of sin, and yet we have to make sure sin doesn't rule over us and its power. We have this tension because uh, it's both and. There's freedom and yet there's fighting, right? There's still temptation and sin. Uh, There's opposition to God and to his kingdom and to his ways. There's hostility against God's people in this world. There's still brokenness here. The present evil age still is here. And so we live in this what I like to call the overlap of the ages, right? So resurrection has happened. The Spirit has poured out. New creation has begun, but it's not completed yet. And so the present evil age is still here, but Jesus has risen and the Spirit has come. And this present evil age is, as the Apostle John says, passing away. And so redemption has come, but there's more redemption to be had. God's not done yet, and that is just so important. That was my answer, in short, to this guy's question. How do I stay encouraged? I know where I'm at in the story. I know that victory is secured and promised because Jesus is risen from the dead, but I also know I don't have it all yet. And so I I can live with realistic expectations. I can know that I am redeemed. I know the victory is guaranteed. I also know there's going to be suffering and sin and struggle and hardship in the meantime because God's not done yet. We're still waiting for more. We're, we're waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is where everything works right and we're all relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with ourselves, relationships with others, relationships with the physical world, where all relationships are just as they were designed and meant to be. That's Second Peter chapter 3. We're looking for a new heavens and a new earth. Um, We're waiting for the removal of all the brokenness and corruption that still permeates and infects and affects this whole world on the daily. Uh, We're waiting still for a a resurrection body that's full of the Spirit, Uh, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that's full of the Spirit, animated fully by the Spirit, not just partially, but fully, and it's powerful and glorious and imperishable rather than weak and inglorious and suffering and dying, right? We're waiting for that. We're waiting for the full revelation of the glory of God when he wipes away every tear from our eyes, Revelation 21. And so knowing where we're at in the story, in the timeline of God's work of redemption, knowing that is what keeps us encouraged. We struggle, but our struggle is hope-filled. It's not pie-in-the-sky kind of hope. It's not a vague wish for some silver lining behind every cloud. No, our struggle is real, but our hope is more real because it's filled with the resurrection hope of Jesus Christ. And so that's what keeps us encouraged. That's why we can press on um, in this world as it currently is, because we know where we're at in the story. And I hope that just as that keeps me encouraged this week and every week, that keeps you encouraged as well as you walk with God, as you walk as a faithful follower of Jesus, trusting him, knowing that you have resurrection hope because Jesus raised from the dead. The spirit has been poured out and we now have the guarantee of the world to come and we're waiting for all that God has planned for his people. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray that you have a wonderful week in Christ this week. May God bless you and strengthen you as you walk with him. I look forward to talking to you again next week.